recording here. And uh, I think we're live. Uh, Ken, go ahead. Okay, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Groovy Podcast. Uh, my name is Ken Cousin. I'm podcasting from Marlboro, Connecticut, and I'm joined by two people this time. I guess, uh, Baruch, maybe you want to go? Uh, hey, I'm Baruch, uh, broadcasting you from home in uh, Gilroy, California. I think you meant Simon. Who's our other guest? Uh, oh, I thought you asked about me, but we can talk about Shimon as well. Shimon yeah, Stempniak yeah, yeah. is here with us. Hey, Hello, Shimon. everyone. Shimon Stempniak, uh, podcasting from Torun, Poland. And thank you for inviting me to today's podcast. Well, there's a tie-in there, too. Now, first of all, I took me a moment because I had to mute the YouTube video or we'd hear it all in stereo. Uh, but that reminds me to mention, of course, that part of the reason that, uh, again, do you say Shimon? Is that close enough? Shimon, yes. Shimon is uh, so well known in the community is that he has a very active YouTube channel now and has been doing a series of videos over the past couple of months, I guess, um, at least one a week, maybe more several of which have been groovy. What's the name of your channel again? I forget exactly. It's m just my first name and last name, Shimon Stepniak. It was called really? Shimon I thought Stepniak. it was... Uh, yeah, it, it was, was Shimon Stepniak ePrint Trace, uh, as right. from my blog, but uh, that was confusing for some people. Why ePrint Trace? Because many people find me on YouTube. They don't know nothing about my blog, so that right. was confusing. So. Right. So excellent. So thank you for that. And uh, I do recommend that people check it out. We have uh, at least one of, of uh, Shimon's videos in the show notes, but there are many more and we will probably update the show notes to include them. So uh, before we dive in, how are you holding up with our sheltering in place these days? For me, it's not very different than before because like uh, I work remotely anyway, so and I'm a very like uh, home kind of person. So of, of course the times are crazy and people are affected by the situation. But luckily my family is not that very affected. How about you? Uh, well, where now, Baruch? You're in uh, California right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, frankly, I am. Um, I occasionally work from home, but. Um, when I'm not on the road, uh, I love to go to the office to connect with people. Uh, so it is kind of different for me. Uh, obviously, not only not going to the office, but actually not traveling for conferences and meetups. So, yeah, I, I mean, comparing to other people who are out of their jobs completely, I have zero reasons to complain, but um, it's, it's not easy. I've been uh, rather fortunate in that. Over the past couple of years, I've been transitioning a lot of my training work to online, uh, especially on the uh, O'Reilly Learning Platform or uh, the, the, the newer, the NFJS virtual workshops. So that has helped me work-wise. But yes, I've had on-site classes all canceled. Everything's postponed. And uh, right now I'm trying to, you know, help keep the local restaurants in busy ordering out, you know, keeping them in business, I should say. And uh, but it's it's stressful for everybody. It's really awkward. But as you say, I guess I'm one of the lucky ones too. In that, we yeah, I mean, we 
our complaints are pity comparing to the people who are really in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So let's give them something to talk about. Let's give them some distractions here. So uh, we have a list of topics. Now, it's been a while since we've, since we've had a Groovy podcast. And one of the big things, of course, that happened, of course, is that Groovy 3 is now out. Uh, the latest release, according to the notes I have, is 3.0.3. And, of course, they are maintaining the 2.5 line as well. So we've got a 2.5.11 one. And we're going to see how Groovy 3 filters into the community as a whole. Uh, at some point, we definitely want to talk to Paul King or some of the other core team members. But one of the, uh, I think, uh, Shimon, you put together a, a nice summary video of the Groovy 3 features, right? Do you want to mention any of those while we're going on? Yeah, so the video was uh, based on the release notes of Groovy 3.0, which at that mm -hmm. time, uh, Paul told me that they were not complete, so there there were a few things missing. Of course, the biggest update is Pirate Parser, and uh, this gap between Groovy and uh, Java is finally uh, like a, almost closed, we can say. Uh, and there are like 80 improvements in uh, JDK, GDK actually, right? So we have new methods in uh, in the SDK, uh, which is which are also uh, pretty pretty nice to use. Uh, well, one comment in particular, just for those who are not aware, the, the change to the parrot parser means that now all of the Java syntax for lambdas and method references and all of those things are now supported natively in Groovy code. There was always a way in Groovy to use closures or or the ampersand sign when you wanted to do method references in Groovy. But now one of Groovy's points of pride has always been that you could take a Java class and rename it .groovy and chances are it will compile just fine. And exactly. we are much closer to that now than we were. Uh, it, effectively, almost everything is now supported. They even now have, believe it or not, that silly for each loop or not the for each loop, the um, uh, the the do while loop, the one that yeah. was always the thing hanging out that mm -hmm. they didn't support for interesting reasons. Now even that's supported inside Groovy. And I think in the, one of the updates uh, in the release notes, uh, Paul added information that the var keyword is also uh, now supported in, in Groovy. I don't know if it's fully working, uh, but uh, there is uh, it's also mentioned. A good old like local variable type inference, which, yeah. you know, I, the statistics that I've seen recently still suggest that better than 80% of the Java community is still on Java 1.8. And additional features like local variable type inference that came in 10 are taking their time filtering into the community. But I still expect this to be a year where Java 11 becomes much more widely adopted. And now Groovy, of course, works just fine on Java 11 and above. Um, I suppose that would be an interesting segue just to point out that uh, our good friend, Mr. Hockey, you know, Hubert H. A. Klein Icking, I, I don't know if I say it correctly. Uh, at any rate, Mr. Hockey has been posting like crazy, especially on some of these new features in uh, Groovy. Like, as you say, uh, Shimon, you did things based on the release notes. I, I'd worked the same way. But uh, Mr. Hockey's put in, I think we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different posts 
that are based on new features in Groovy 3, like the triple equals operator for reference equality or the uh, not in operator for checking that whether an item's in a collection or a take or a drop method and, and uh, the Elvis assignment operator as well. You know, all those things are in there now. I believe you covered most of those in your YouTube video as well. Yeah, they were already in, uh, in the release notes. What Paul suggested me to do uh, was to also take a look at the source code and find since annotation to find all methods that were added. There was even oh, this uh, is smart. Yeah. yeah, there was there was even a question on Stack Overflow recently. Uh, I will add it to show notes maybe. Someone asked about uh, which methods were added in Groovy Free Zero because someone uh, develops some ex extension library for Groovy. And he was interested in uh, just getting the list of added uh, methods so he does not duplicate any, any of methods that, that are added to Groovy 3.0. So, you so can... the methods, I'm sorry, so you, when you say the since annotation, you mean the, that's embedded in the Java docs, is that right? Java doc, yes, Java yeah. doc annotation. And that way you can find all methods that are added to Groovy 3.0 because I mean, the, li yeah. the list is huge. Uh, I've, that way I found about uh, YAML Slarker and YAML Builder classes. They right. were not mentioned in the release notes. Uh, they were missing. Uh, so when I did my um, exploration, I found those two, for instance. Right. You did a video on parsing and generating YAML with Groovy, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, Mr. Hockey did one of those too, although I don't remember the details. But no, there was another one, another blog post about working with YAML. Uh, I can't find it on the on the list there. But I know I remember seeing somebody did something yeah, with Yes, there, there was. A, I think Mr. Haki covered both cases, uh, Slarper and uh, Parser, in two mm -hmm. different, uh, two separate blog posts. And you're right, there was uh, this, uh, I think we will find it and add to show notes. That, that was by some I, the guy, the, some guy called Kevin, uh, I remember his name, uh, someone who started blogging recently and he created this blog post about uh, working with YAML in Groovy. Yeah, I don't know why I don't see it immediately, but we could always update the, the show notes yes, to yeah, see it do. in there. I thought, I thought we added something on that. Um, Baruch, have you used Groovy 3 at all yet? Uh, yeah, I played with it a little bit, by the way, starting from uh, um, uh, Mr. Hackey's blog posts, just, you know, to get a feel of how the new improvements work um, and uh, yeah I mean it, it looks great and um, just I'll just start using it now. We, we do have to it's mention of course the congratulations right that apparently one of those Java joy posts it's, it doesn't say it in the post but it said in the tweet that this uh, the, the using named capturing groups and regular expressions was Mr. Hockey's 500th blog post Yes, yes, which, which is, is not surprising, and we know how active he is, and but that's, I mean, one of the most useful bloggers that, that at least I know, uh, and it has to do with the, with the readability and how short, concise, and useful they are. Yeah, somebody referred to him as the unofficial Groovy documentation. The official documentation has improved by leaps and bounds. I think now the official documentation is excellent. I mean, that it basically is everything I've needed at any rate, uh, short of going to the source code. 
But sure, Mr. Hockey is the semantics. You know, it's the how do you use this feature, that feature, the other feature, all very short and sweet posts that, that get the point across very nicely. And we want to, of course, add our congratulations as well to that. Uh, as an aside, by the way, Groovy3, as well as all of the major products of the Groovy ecosystem, are also available via SDK Man. I don't know that we play up SDK Man enough here. I still am a huge fan of that project. And, uh, Marco Vermeulen is just, and his compatriots, whoever works with him on that, has just done a wonderful job. I, I'm so happy to be one of the supporters on of that on the, what is it, the Open Collective page, I think they yep, call open it. Collective. Yep. Yeah, where you get to support him. I mean, I support Groovy too, but it's, SDK Man is, it's one of those perfect tools that does exactly what it says it's going to do. And, and also the way that Marco does it, very humble, very stable, mm -hmm. very like down to earth. Here you go. That's the tool. Just use it. And it's a perfect tool. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's just great. Yeah. So I, I definitely want to make sure that we emphasize that because he, if nothing else, he should get uh, all the recognition in the world. Uh, but also it's just uh it's really fun to, to work with it. It's just, it does such a good job. By the way, did you notice in the latest version of IntelliJ IDEA, the 2020.1 version, which just became a f official release about a week and a half ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, yep. Right, when you go into a project setting, you can select a JDK and there's a little entry that says download a JDK or select one. And when you click that button, not only does it give you the option to download, it finds the ones that are downloaded by SDK man yes. as well. Yeah. So, you can so this select is something that we obviously did manually for many years. When we selected a pre-installed SDK, we went to home.sdk and, and actually selected from the, from the archive there. But it's good to see that IntelliJ now knows, as it is the standard location now for, um, for most of us, it only makes sense for IntelliJ to actually look there first. For sure. I, I find that very validating, though. I really am glad that the IntelliJ people have recognized the value of Mr. Hockey's uh, management of of everything, but especially the JDK. Marco, you mean Marcos? Yeah, Marco. Did I? What did I say? I, Mr. Hockey. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Of Marcos, right? Of the SDK man. So the value of all of that is uh, clearly recognized and, and helpful. That's good. Okay. Um, what do you want to talk about next? Now we do have that article, by the way, that uh, Simon mentioned. Simon, I'm I'm so used to doing that. Shumon uh, mentioned the the new parrot parser. And uh, there was an article in ADT Mag. I haven't used ADT Mag before. I don't know that, or I've heard of it. I don't know much about it. Uh, that was called Apache's Groovy Gets a New Parser, you know, that uh, discussed some of those issues. Have you dealt with anything else in the new parser? Is that, uh, have you seen any other changes or anything interesting affecting you? I mean, you worked with the, the building, a, what do you call it, a, a DSL with it. Uh, no, no, like uh, no breaking changes uh, I haven't seen uh, compared to switching from Groovy 2.5 to 3.0. Uh, so there is the only maybe important information men uh, worth mentioning at this uh, moment is that in Groovy 4, the old parser will be removed. Or oh. is it, I think there, there was this tweet by Daniel saying that uh, I think the old parser is now deprecated 
-hmm. uh, and it will be completely removed from uh, in Groovy 4 and invoke dynamic. The, the indie version of Groovy will be set as default one. So we need to yep. use to, to the new parser anyway. Uh, that's that's, that's Daniel's son, for those people who don't know. He's one of the core team or, members on the Groovy project, on the Apache Groovy project, and has been a major player in working on the parser part of the Groovy uh, project. But, but it's also maybe worth mentioning for those people who never tried to uh, do any compile time AST transformations, like the, the parser does not affect their productivity. This is just how the Groovy source code is analyzed and compiled to the bytecode. So it's, it's important for Groovy developers to, to make it, uh, to make their life productive. And as far as I remember, the, the, the Groovy 2.0 parser, the, the older one was using Antler 2 version, which was, and it has to be uh, upgraded to Antler 4. So it's more about their productivity. It doesn't affect that much our, our daily, daily work. That's a good point. So you can, if you used Groovy as a user before, never really got into the underlying details, your experience will not change in any fundamental way. You'll just have a lot more capabilities than you used to have. Yeah, uh, that other... was the entire idea of Parrot to begin with, right? It's just, it's replacing the old parser with a new one, which is backwards compatible, but also eliminates a lot of the drawbacks and uses uh, Indie more efficiently and also tries to um, fix all the um, um, Java 9 uh, modular uh, restrictions that we have, all the horrible warnings that we used to have. So, yeah, I mean. Oh, thank goodness, yes. Daniel, Daniel did an amazing job. It took him, what, two years, three years almost to beat this thing from ground up, but um, it's, a, it's a masterpiece. It's, uh, it's amazing. I should ask you, actually, what uh, version of Java are you on? these days? Uh, so I have two. I have uh, the latest 14 dot, I think, zero one or something that I, you know, that I try to run stuff on. But um, I also use Java, Java 8 as everybody else to run everything else, which is intended to run on Java 8. How about you, Shima? Uh, if you watch some of my videos, you will see that I most in, in most cases I still use Java 1.8. I think it's still default Open JDK in my in my shell. Well, in in my training classes, I'm trying to make Java 11 my default. I mean, after all, eight is end of life and everything already, and it's probably good to get used to the 11. But then I never use a feature exclusive to Java 11 without providing a fallback, without saying, well, look, I want to use list out of here, but since you're on Java 1.8, you can still do a raise.as list or something. Uh, of course, you mentioned the, the module situation. I do find it notable that all those surveys that talk about the, the Java platform module system show that this is almost completely uh, ignored by the community at large. It is being adopted by library developers. I mean, Spring has been modularized and Hibernate's been modularized. And of course, our, our friends at uh, uh, JUnit, you know, JUnit 5 is modularized. I'm not sure whether Spock is, however, uh, probably is. Um, do you use any of the module stuff at all? Absolutely not. I haven't had a chance to 
Well, I've noticed. Moment. I'm sorry. There was a there was a post about the upcoming version of Gradle. So Gradle right now is on 6.3, and it's as usual. There's a series of milestone versions and release candidates. One of the big features that has been announced for 6.4 will be support for Java modules. And I've always often wondered whether this was a, a chicken and the egg thing, you know, that part of the reason people did not adopt modules was because the standard build tools, Maven and Gradle, didn't really know what to do with them. You know, there was not clear guidance from either side as to how they were going to interact with this module mechanism. Uh, even though there's a nice public plugin available from the people who wrote the the the, the book on the subject, there was nothing official. And apparently that will be added in Gradle uh, 6.4. I find that interesting because at the very last Gradle, uh, what did they call it, Summit, Gradle Summit, which I think was about four years ago, they announced an experimental, you know, uh, jigsaw plugin. And then nothing happened for Little, nearly four years. And, and understandably, I mean, it, it's like the community must not have been clamoring for it, but it's good to see that something's going to happen there. And we'll see if that makes any difference to the adoption in the marketplace. I, I, I think that it's really clear by now that the only useful thing that came out of all the jigsaw stuff is modularization of the JDK itself, which is mm. very important. It's a great initiative. It actually allowed um, JDK to move forward in many ways, but um, for a consumer, for the user, for the other software providers, it uh, in the beginning it created a lot of confusion and uncertainty and just mess. And um, after just a very short while, people figured out that they want to stay away, which is which is fine. I mean, it's just a matter of official recognition now that Jigsaw is good for the platform, but as consumers really not bother with it. And, uh, and we're good. I'm happy with this outcome of well, the, my, the Jigsaw project. My concern is that it's led to a delay in the adoption of Java 11. I mean, yes. it's, there's a lot of other features that came with Java 9, especially, and then 10 and 11. And you know, if you're not adopting Java 11, you don't get any of that stuff. And when people saw Jigsaw and saw that they, they felt, felt the whole thing was kind of a mess, they just didn't upgrade. And I think it's Brian Getz who has said that it takes roughly a year and a half for a new major version of Java to be adopted by the community. So that's what happened with Java 5. It's what happened with Java 1.8. And yet it's been over a year and a half in the, since Java 11 came out. And we're still slowly steering this ship in another direction. It's being very, very slow on that. I'm exactly. Hoping... And I think official recognition that, you know what, uh, if you don't get Jigsaw, if you don't understand Jigsaw, don't even bother. Just, yeah. you know, pretend it didn't happen. That would help a lot to pass, to get passed through, oh, I'm afraid of Java 9 thing. Yeah, well, we'll see how that plays out too. Uh, speaking of Spock, however, there was a very interesting article. Now, I assume his name is Polish, so... Uh, of we have Shimon to tell us how to pronounce it right. Exactly. Amazing. So how do you pronounce it, Shimon? Marcin Zajonczkowski. Again? Well, that's easy. So Zajonczkowski, that's all it is? Uh, his name is Marcin. His last yeah, Marcin? name is Zajonczkowski. Zajonczkowski. 
Marcin, okay, Marcin, Marcin is easy. We can stick with Marcin. Yes. <laughs> that, that's not hard. Okay. So at any rate, um, and his Twitter handle, of course, is completely different. I think it's, oh, I forgot to list it there. Um, it refers to it, his blog, Solid Softcraft. Yeah. And at any rate, he posted the, quote, ultimate feature comparison between Spock and JUnit 5. Now, this reminds me, of course, that uh, Ben Mushko, uh, another easy name to pronounce with too many uh, letter consonants in it. But at any rate, uh, Ben Mushko published a, a similar blog post a few years ago. So maybe uh, it has some updated information on that. But uh, did you look through the Spock versus JUnit 5 comparison? What'd you think? Yeah, this blog post, for those of you who haven't had a chance to read it, uh, is built from Marcin's uh, presentation he gave mm. uh, last year at BritishConf. And this is uh, very objective, I would say, uh, comparison of both Spock and JUnit. So he, he tries not to favorite, uh, favor one under, uh, over another. So uh, for people who are looking for some objective comparison, should I upgrade my JUnit 4 to JUnit 5, or should I maybe try Spock and introduce Groovy to my project? Uh, this is a really good place to start with, uh, so they can see all pros and cons. And Spock, for many people, for many people I know, this is like the, the entry-level uh, library to get into Groovy. Uh, and it's probably, Spock does a lot of good uh, job for, for, for Groovy community and bringing people to to our community so i have to admit i've been a huge fan of junit 5 i was one of those people who were like oh really i already know junit please don't make radical changes i already understand that i have to learn it all over again and was very pleasantly surprised by how clear and understandable the changes are how active it is how helpful uh i've really i really like it and i use it whenever i can of course, when I'm working with Groovy, then Spock is great. And I still like Spock's data tables much better than the parameterized tests in JUnit. And still the parameterized tests in JUnit still aren't even final yet. That's still not quite official yet. Although I think they did a good job and they closed the gap that they had with Spock before. I still oh, like Spock better for that sort of stuff. The, the other question, of course, is the, the mocking part, which Spock has built in and JUnit doesn't even have. I mean, he mentioned something in the blog post about mocking, but I think the the community still uses um, still uses Makito primarily for any mocking in the Java world. Java standard for for mocking. I'm sorry, say it again, please. Uh, Makito. I mean, this is Java standard for mocking. If you Java use. standard, yes, exactly. Right. Well, yeah. Well, no, it's it's not, but it's not. It's still not building in the in JUnit. I've got to I got to pass our over under uh, when I'm coding with Kotlin. Okay, now, now. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. That's, that's when I use JUnit 26, under 27 minutes. Okay. Yeah, I had to throw, I mean, it's been, it's been almost half an hour. I figured, you know, yeah. um, that's where I use JUnit 5 because there's some Kotlin testing libraries and I'm still kind of figuring out which one's going to win. You know what I mean? I don't know which is really going to be dominant. But JUnit 5 works just fine over there, and that's what I've been using there. Now, Spock, unfortunately, doesn't for reasons probably associated with um, the AST transformations or something like that. I'm not sure the order of operations is working the way it expects. 
but I do like, I mean, I, now when does, I don't know when Spock 2 is going to come out. I, I don't see anything public about that. Any ideas? No ideas. There is some milestone. Yeah. Uh, and, but there's probably no announcement for. That was another thing in that blog post is they were talking about JUnit has been a lot more public and a lot more active public. Oh, that's you know, for Making sure. it clear sure. what the release schedule is like and everything. But of course, they're also partly a, a publicly funded project as well. Mm -hmm. And the Spock one is being done just on people's spare time, as far as I know. I don't think anybody's being paid to work on Spock at the moment. There's one thing I noticed when I migrated one of my projects to JUnit 5, and I've noticed this is a quite popular problem for people who are trying to adapt, for some reasons, JUnit 5 into Groovy project and writing tests with Groovy. In JUnit 4, uh, the a test runner thrown an exception if your method annotated with test was not public, was not void, uh, and you were receiving very clear information what's wrong with your test method. In JUnit 5, they took a different approach, and if you, and this is what people that comes from Groovy and start using JUnit as a Groovy test, um, they are dealing with, they usually use def for the return type of a test method. Mm -hmm. And we all know it compiles to object. And what the, the problem with JUnit 5 is that the JUnit runner in JUnit 5, it just silently ignores those tests. So people are seeing no tests uh, found when they try to run their uh, JUnit 5 uh, unit tests only because they used the def instead of void on their test oh, methods. I did not know that. I missed that. Okay, that would explain a lot. All right. Um, the other thing was, of course, is that Spock at first did not support Groovy 3. So if you're trying to use Groovy 3 and Spock together, which I tried right after uh, Groovy 3 came out, I had problems, and especially with my Gradle-based projects. And then they released a, I think it was a milestone version of, yes. of Spock that now works with Groovy 3. And I upgraded one of my projects to that. And I wound up having to add in the JUnit libraries explicitly in my Gradle build file, both four and five, you know, for the, what do you call the vintage engine and everything. And I did manage to get it all to work, but it was a lot more effort than I expected. Presumably when, when Spock 2 is final, then yeah, it should it should work out of the box with Groovy three, obviously, of course. But it never occurred to me that the issue was the return type with either def or void. I I do normally use void. I still follow uh, the standard practice from uh, Dear Koenig, where you know he says if I know the type, I type it. You know, pun intended. Exactly. And I know that those are returning void, so I just say void. But I understand lots of people use def there, and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me, of course, about. Uh, grails because we haven't talked about grails at all and grails often use the segue was that i remember in grails controllers for many years they use def as a return type on on most of those controller actions so it's a weak connection but anyway that's what reminded me so grails is up to 4.0.3 and i found at least one article um our our good friend eric uh, helgeson wrote a blog post about deploying a Grails 4 app to Heroku, which I find fascinating. I'm glad to see that. Um, anything else you want to mention about Grails? 
one thing from our show notes and uh, related also to Groovy free zero version uh, Grails, uh, the GORM Core 7.1 and the Grails testing right. support. Uh, now in the, they are in milestone of first version, but they are supporting Groovy free. So this is the, I think this is something that we all are waiting for, the adoption of Groovy free zero and Spock and Grails uh, and in all popular libraries and frameworks. Yeah, right. And I think I messed up the link on that or the syntax. So let me fix that link syntax. And I think that's better. But yeah, there were uh, several GORM APIs. So that should, if you refresh your page, you'll see it. Uh, I, I put a link to the actual tweet because I think there were three separate GORM APIs yeah. mentioned in that tweet that basically were saying, oh yeah, now we, we support as you say, uh, Groovy 3 inside there. So mm -hmm. it said it was yeah. GORM Core and GORM for Hibernate Four 5 company. and GORM testing support uh, all now are milestone one or whatever and support uh, Groovy 3 on that. So yeah, thank you for reminding me about that. I think there was also, oh, one other thing we should mention about Grails is that, uh, you know, Puneet, uh, Puneet Bell are, are got a promotion about that, seemingly. Uh, there was a, an announcement from Object Computing that Grails and what, what's the, the link says, Grails and Micronaut product teams announce expansion of leadership. And it's that James Klee, I think, is going to be the head of the Micronaut team. And Puneet Bell is the head of the uh, Grails team, which I suppose, does that mean it's two titles like, uh, I'm trying to think, Lord of the Grails, do you think? Does that work for you? or uh, I Grails think I think uh, Graham, uh, he's still Lord that's, of the Grails. So. That's the interaction. See, that's yeah. that's the question because Grail, you know, they even say in there. Now Graham is still, you know, the the man, you know, yeah. <laughs> all that stuff. Or the yeah, top that that could be confusing when when I seen the, the headline. Uh, I was yeah. looking for information. I don't know. Was uh, did Graham like step down or something like that? Uh, didn't sound like it. It sounded like, although it sounds like if I know Graham, Graham wants to just work on the technical stuff. And I suspect that Puneet has more of the project management responsibilities and, and maybe some other business related things that are not clear to us, you know, from being outsiders. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to ask Puneet, you know, what he's actually doing. And the real question is what happens when he and Graham disagree, you know, who wins that battle? Mm -hmm. You're, you're I, I would go for Graham. Yeah, nobody's laughing at any of these gags. All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Graham, of course, Graham also posted that really nice blog post. Uh, where was it linked? Um, Mar Micronaut versus Quarkus versus Spring Boot performance on JDK 14. And clearly this was spurred by Graham being frustrated by a lot of well, not necessarily FUD, but not very good information about performance characteristics of all of these. And he yes. decided to actually do an honest calculation and show the statistics he got and, and exposed everything about it. And it was very interesting to see how, uh, where, where Micronaut was better and all of that. I, I uh, praised it. I was reluctant to be so blunt as to say, in a world where Micronaut exists, I see no purpose to having Quarkus. <laughs> but that's how I feel about it. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, I mean, 
Yeah. Again, I was just reluctant to say that out loud, but I'll say it out loud here. I mean, after yeah, all, well, we have six. Nobody's listening except apparently Tucker well, and, and uh, Crowley, you know. And Jens. Oh, Jen's there Jen. too. Oh, look at that. Jen is there yeah. Too. yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we're but, actually able to see the chat this time for those people who don't know. So, you know, if I they mean, say yeah, something... The technology, can... the technology advancement of this, that just a new era. We need to start a new session, now, a new season now with all the, um, with, with all the technology advancements. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, what I wanted to say is that um, we don't have any of the zealous Java people here, so we're good, we're safe. Mm. Yeah, uh, but we don't care. <laughs> yeah, but there is also maybe one thing worth mentioning. And there was this post, uh, this tweet by Graham uh, made on uh, April 8th, uh, where he wrote, I quote, I've, deci I've decided that all, lo all load testing tools just provide random results. I get different <laughs> winners in the request per second battle, depending on whether I use AB, Micronaut is the winner, WRK, Quarkus is the winner, Siege, Draw, or Vegeta, Micronaut is the winner. Only common theme is spring always comes last. LOL. So you know, and and for somebody like Graham to say something that strong is uh, that's interesting. You know, I mean, because Graham is usually so incredibly diplomatic about all this, uh, especially maybe when he possibly shouldn't be quite so diplomatic about it. I mean, you know, the the spring people tend to see the world in terms of spring and they don't see anything else. They don't even acknowledge, oh, by the way, one thing about spring, uh, in case you hadn't heard, you know, the, the spring one conference, I think they just announced is gonna be the first week in September. It's gonna be entirely virtual and entirely free, be entirely online. So, and nothing, uh, no cost. There's a call for papers that ends in late May, I think. So we still got another month on that. If you're interested, I don't know if you were planning to do that. I, I haven't gone to spring one since they split from the, uh, from the groovy, you know. Yeah, the, same here, same here. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see how that goes. But at any rate, um, the spring people don't tend to really see the others. Uh, I still, again, don't see a use case for Quarkus that isn't already covered by Micronaut. And I'm hoping that Micronaut is still growing in adoption. I just don't really know. They, they did have a nice post. I don't think we have it in the show notes, but they had a nice post about deploying Micronaut apps as microservices on uh, one of the cloud providers, maybe all of them. So that's been nice. Oh, I remember what it was. They did it with Grawl, which was really nice. You know, working yeah, with Yeah, Grawl, so that's, I think that the, the biggest kind of a push from, uh, from Quarkus was about Grawl VM. But Micronaut does it actually better, and it, it works today when, once with Quarkus, it's only a promise. So, yeah. I mean, Shuan, you, you've, you've had a whole um, presentation about running Groovy on, on Grawl. Has that all changed now that Grawl's up to 20 and Groovy's on three? Uh, I will have to update my blog post about yeah, this integration. Uh, the last time I checked with uh, Groovy, that was still really candidate version. Uh, there, there was, there were still issues with uh, GraalVM. The, the problem, the main problem, uh, if it comes to integration, Groovy integration with GraalVM, is that mm, the uh, coercion mechanism, the, the the recognition of closure into fun Java function or any other functional interface, is broken in GraalVM when you try to build a native. Of course, I mean nat building native images, of course. So when you have your Groovy script, and if you have 
if you use a closure in place of any functional interface, uh, GraalVM native image uh, build tool will have problems with that. And there, there, there was no uh, subtract mechanism for that. And I checked it like a few months uh, ago, so maybe something changed. I will need to get back to it and see how the, uh, the GraalVM native image support looks right, right now in Groovy. And it's, it's difficult. For Groovy, it is difficult. I mean, you can, if you need to enable static compilation, that's one requirement to yeah. avoid tons of issues and probably even to make a static, uh, the native image compilation possible. But there are still some small uh, gaps. Uh, I reported those on GitHub. I remember there were also similar issues reported uh, from Scala world. So uh, they are aware of those uh, issues. Um, but I need to check if, there, if anything changed since then. I mean, I'm, of course, the, the native image stuff, and a lot of that is based on the, what is it, AOT, the ahead of time compiler there, and, and therefore you can't really have anything dynamic going on. I didn't realize that it was also related to the, the closure types as well. So the coercion's not working the way you'd expect. It, it, it is not, yeah. Uh, I've made okay. it, I sh there should be, we have it in, in our show notes. Uh, GreatConf started publishing videos from right. uh, last year uh, conference, and there should be my video uh, Groovy and Graal VM uh, published mm -hmm. soon. It's it was a lightning talk, 25 minutes, uh, and where I shown uh, the current state of uh, Groovy and Graal VM native image in, in integration, and I shown this uh, example with simple closure coercion where you need to just replace it either with, uh, because, and that's stupid, because if you inline anonymous class in place of disclosure, everything works. Oh, or you, okay. or what the alternative was you would have to uh, upgrade to Groovy free uh, mm. and use uh, a Lambda expression. And then oh. it works uh, pretty well. But you know, the, the, the biggest advantage would be if I could take my existing Groovy script uh, I could compile it with static compilation enabled. And now the Groovy compiler allows you to enable static compilation just by uh, the parameter in, in the command line. So we don't even have to create this config script for compiler. Uh, and I just compile it statically and then I build a native image. So I have my uh, Groovy script as a native executable. Well, and, and as you point out, actually as a minor part of what you were mentioning, uh, GreatConf has also been publishing their their videos from last year. And I think that's a great idea. I mean, obviously we're not gonna be able to have a GreatConf this year. So they decided to publish them a couple of week, I think. And when I looked, the, the link that was added to the show notes was just the link for the entire YouTube channel for GreatConf EU. And there's so many good presentations there that uh, if you're, sheltering at home you need something to do there's a whole playlist you know it looks really good i, I, remember, I still haven't watched that spock's new tricks one i still want to watch that i remember soren was mentioning that uh, he will try to start publishing those videos uh, december last year or january this year something like that and i know they didn't they couldn't predict uh, the current situation yeah. uh, but uh, actually the timing is perfect because uh, uh, GreachConf was canceled, GreatConf was canceled, so we don't have any like a groovy specific conference this year. So those videos from the last year's edition are a nice supplement to, to 
this. I, I do feel really bad about Grinch because they were in that exactly the wrong time to happen. You know, they, yeah. it's like everything got canceled. I mean, now, of course, Europe was dealing with this and Asia has been dealing with this far earlier than the U.S. U.S. has been really bad at, at all of this, as we know. And they wound up in that moment when Spain was suffering horribly and the U.S. had just started to recognize how bad things were here. And that conference was canceled so late. I, I hope they did okay. I hope they didn't lose too much money and, or whatever and are able to try again a year from now. I haven't heard much from the, from the Groovy Calamari or anything like that. I know there was a Groovy Calamari issue. I think there, there was, was. Uh, March 26th. Yeah, uh, so there's at least been one. But it's been very hard on them. That that felt pretty bad. I remember um, Sergio Sergio was mentioning that uh, the decision was hard, and I remember him, when he announced that GridConf uh, is cancelled, uh, the official numbers were saying that there were 500 use cases, uh, the, the cases in uh, Spain, uh, most of them in Madrid, and uh, uh, I, I remember the weekend before. Uh, GridgeConf was cancelled, there was uh, this uh, Grand Derby, uh, uh, Real Madrid uh, and Atletico Madrid or Barcelona, one of those games in Madrid, 80,000 people on stadium uh, and uh, some people were referring that this event was not cancelled, why should we cancel GridgeConf? Oh, right? But on March 26, there were like uh, 50,000 cases right. confirmed though. And we are saying only about confirmed cases. So it would be a disaster if uh, I, like the Polish airlines, uh, because I, I had my plane tickets bought already and they just canceled that there were no mm. flights from Poland to abroad. So, uh, and I think if they try to keep uh, the, the, the conference, that they would have to cancel it anyway. So that was a really good decision that they made it like a three weeks before the conference happened. Yeah, at the time it conflicted with Venkat's, uh, what do you call it, dev.next. I always called it Vencon, you know, for yeah. Venkat's Supermonium. And it was the same week. And his conference has been postponed until August. And I'm still wondering if that's going to happen either, you know, uh, because the, the GIDS conference in India is is like a week after that. And you know, who knows whether any of these things are going to happen until uh, next year, but we'll see. I, I found it, by the way, concerning sporting events. Did you see that, that interesting article that said, uh, actually, probably, I don't know if either of you care about this at all, but the, the Super Bowl, you know, the, the late comeback by Kansas City that won the Super Bowl may have saved thousands of lives because if San Francisco had won it, then they would have had this massive parade in downtown San Francisco right as the breakout was reaching its peak. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And it actually was a very dangerous time because a lot of people of Chinese and Asian origin who mm. went into Asia for the Chinese New Year right. and came back probably sick. Mm. And this is exactly the time of the, of the parade of the Super Bowl, for sure. Yeah. It's been a while since I didn't care who won the Super Bowl, but this time it, it turns out it was interesting. Anyway, back to what we were doing. Speaking of our, our friends in, in Spain, uh, Ivan Lopez uh, published a blog post about, what did he say, five reasons you'll love using Micronaut and IntelliJ IDEA to boost your productivity. He did a guest post on the IntelliJ blog or, or the, 
I guess you call it the JetBrains blog. I'm not sure how they how they score it. IntelliJ but, blog, yeah. Yeah, again, got a chance to talk about Micronaut inside of uh, IntelliJ, which is good too. Any of the other articles or, or links that you feel like talking about? Anything you're interested in mentioning right now? How about that one about screening Groovy developer skills? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, by, yes. Uh, again, it's, that looks like it's at least partly a, a Polish name. Do you, wanna, do you know Olga? I've, I've definitely seen her name many times. Yeah, I, I don't know Olga in person. Uh, I, I know her from her like uh, social media. But you presence. know how to pronounce her last name? Uh, yes, uh, it's Olga Machaszek Sharma. Machaszek. Okay. Wow. Machaszek You're really is... changing our reputation. I mean, we, we're kind of known for messing up people's <laughs> names here, and you're you're bailing us out. So thank you. That's additional value added for you being on the podcast. Anyway, my, you, my did, pleasure. <laughs> did you um? Did you take a look at that article at all? Yeah, I read it, and that was actually uh, that was interesting uh, time when Olga published this uh, uh, this blog post because I was thinking about recording some video about uh, like a top ten groovy interview questions because some time ago, just by researching some uh, information, I found some pretty old blog posts. Uh, say the title was uh, top 10 groovy interview questions oh. and the first question was uh, w which is important but I don't know how important it is in terms of interview who is the creator of groovy <laughs> uh, Jason uh, James Strahan so yeah. uh, that was uh, and the, the second question was what is the latest version of groovy and it was saying like a 2.2 or something like that so it was very Inaccurate, uh, these questions uh, were not very helpful for someone who wants to prepare um, to interview in some, like if someone wants to work with Groovy Grails or any, any technology like that, right? So Olga made a deep dive uh, into how to not only prepare to interview, but prepare for screening because the blog uh, where the, this blog post was uh, published is DevSkiller. They build a tool for um, this pragmatic screening for, uh, for, for, for developers. So it's not about answering some theoretical questions. You will just go there and you will have to solve some real problems. You will have to write some real code using uh, frameworks. Like for instance, you will be asked to write some simple REST application that exposes specific endpoints or consumes some other endpoints. So it is a very pragmatic approach. Uh, and it's it's really good because this block uh, has its own audience. So anytime Groovy is uh, mentioned in places like that, it only does good for, for our community. So it's even better that she did it than I, because mm -hmm. uh, my blog post would only be probably exposed to Groovy developers. Mm. Uh, and this way we can attract people from, from outside our community. So. So I'm yep. glad we, we mentioned it. Uh, so feel free to take a look and, and give whatever feedback you like on that. The, the other thing I forgot to mention when we we're talking about Grails, uh, did you see that blog post about the, what is it called? Change one line to improve the performance of your Grails app drastically. And I, I read through it and it seemed like the idea was is that if you use a unique constraint, there were additional queries that you had to take into account. But if you changed it from a constraint to 
putting something analogous in the mapping block, then you didn't have to pay the same performance penalty, but there were other issues associated with it. Did you either of you get a chance to take a look at that? No, no. No, I didn't see. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see if the Grails people have any feedback on that. If they, yeah. I mean, it's clearly, you know, you always want to know what SQL is being executed in your app. And Grails has always made it easy enough to see what Grail, what SQL is actually going on. But uh, that's the first time I've seen something from somebody who's not normally considered uh, active in the community. But it's... Um, it was an interesting little post. And mm -hmm. uh, I do remember once uh, I was working with a company that was trying to map to an existing database and they tried applying a unique constraint on a field, which made sense. And it, it did wind up costing an awful lot of time because it had to verify. I mean, well, I, I think they unfortunately applied it to a table that had something like, you know, half a million rows. In it. Mm -hmm. So of course it had to check them all. Um, but I just wanted to call out that one because, again, I, I don't normally see that uh, from somebody, and I thought that was very good. The, the interesting okay. part is, uh, you know, if, uh, if the author of this uh, blog post could just maybe double check if this is the, um, like, information missing in the documentation, because uh, maybe there is a area to, to contribute. Rails well, it, oh, I see. So they could add something to the actual project. Well, it, it did seem to be very well reasoned and very careful. So I, I thought it looked pretty good. And, and we'll see if there's anything. I thought it was worth highlighting to see if there's any feedback on that from the people who work on that directly. That's exactly the sort of thing Eric would probably know right away. You know, uh, Eric Helgeson again. Yeah. Okay. Anything else in here that you wanted to bring up uh, that you wanted to highlight or anything? I mean, Guillaume actually had a blog post about running Micronaut on Java 14 in a serverless container, which I thought was interesting, but I, I don't do any of that, so I don't know that much uh, directly. So, Simon, uh, Shimon, you have been <laughs> officially, by the, by the our um, 13 viewers by now, you have been... Really? Officially baptized into this podcast, people love uh, having you here and say that you bring new dynamic to the podcast. Oh. <laughs> so uh, here you go. Uh, if you ask me, I will be more than happy to have you as a co-host and promote you to host co-host from the from the guest. But uh, Ken, what do you say? Oh well, it's always good to have you around. I'm really glad that you're doing all that work with your YouTube channel and want to try to encourage that. We have to remember, of course, that we have another periodic co-host. Is that yeah. you know Jen Strader gets to be uh, on the podcast on a regular basis. But I have no problem with with seeing if we can get a rotating panel of people coming in and talking about what they're doing or what they're interested in, or yeah. even if we do additional interviews, we got to do something to get the podcast moving again. <laughs> you know, it's always so embarrassing that we go so long between actual podcasts. And uh, I'm glad, you know, partly it was your doing that finally got us to go, you know what, we really need to schedule another podcast. <laughs> so again, thank you. And I'm really glad you're doing all the work you're doing. Um, on an unrelated note, I do have to mention that uh, the No Fluff people who host, you know, the, the Groovy Podcast homepage has links to all the podcasts and everything are now doing, of course, since all those uh, conferences shut down as well, they're now doing these virtual workshops. And I kind of insisted that we do one on Groovy for Java developers. 
and they are scheduling that for like May 21st or something. So hopefully we can get people who are willing to sit in that as well. If you happen to know anything, I'll, I'll probably send out a note in my newsletter about it as well, something like that. So I, I don't like to do a lot of self-promotion, but if we can help spread Groovy in the community, that's Absolutely. something I, I want to mention. It's a noble, uh, noble reason. Absolutely. <laughs> Baruch, is there anything you wanted to talk about going on at JFrog or in, in your own personal stuff at all? Uh, yeah, so we do. But as you mentioned, how Sp uh, Spring Run is going uh, virtual and free. I think that's kind of a destiny of all the, all the events those days. Uh, Swamp Up is also going virtual and free. Uh, we will make the announcement uh, soon enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, um, it is what it is. We're hanging in there and uh, thank you for, for a very um, refreshed, dynamic and, and um, um, how do I say it? Informative more than usually a episode of the Groovy Podcast. Thanks to uh, Shimon. Uh, I think partially it's also because there was such a long period of time between the, this episode and the last episode. So just take a look at the show notes, how many information uh, mm. we collected. And probably it's just maybe like, a, um, it's, it's not all information we could, uh, we could collect what happened in the Groovy community. Uh, right. Since, I mean, so. I'm, there was a fair number of, of uh, there were lots of posts and there were a, a small but interesting number of releases that came out as well. Yeah. Oh, I do have to ask you, by the way, Shimon, where does your Twitter handle come from? What does that mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's for the people who don't know, it's W-O-L-O-L-O-C-K. So what yeah. is, how do you say it? What does it mean? Where does it come from? It comes from... Basically, when I uh, when I registered uh, this handle on Twitter back in 2011, something like that, uh, my regular handle that I was using over internet, which was Simons, was already taken, and uh, I was uh, playing some uh, MMO RPG game at that time, and I was uh, using my character was called Wolowitz from The Big Bang Theory. Oh. Uh, and because uh, many people called me Wolo in, in that game, and because I was playing Necromancer character, so it was like a Wolo lock, and uh, it was not taken, so I just uh, registered that handle and started using it. Uh, every well, day. it sounds good. It's easy. It's readable. I mean, all the all the properties of a good uh, handle. I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. I would have had no clue whatsoever. And uh, maybe this is also like a, like value added to today's podcast because this is the first time I revealed this uh, story. So someone... There you go. You can refer to this episode every time people ask. That will well, bring and then finally, I have to say, I'm, I'm happy that... Uh, I have a I have the best Zoom background of of any of you. I think that's for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, for those who are just listening to this rather than watching it, I managed to grab the Groovy logo from the associated Wikipedia or it's not Wikipedia. I think it's called a Wikimedia or something like that. Uh, the link there, which shows it with the the transparent background, and that's now my Zoom background. So you know. All those people who give me a hard time about Kotlin, Baruch, you know, now at least I have a groovy background on my, on my Zoom 
when speaking about Kotlang. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so hopefully it won't be so long again next time. I want to, you know, thank you both for, for making the time and especially when we're dealing with such vastly different time zones. I mean, it's about 2 p.m. here in the east, which means it's, I, I assume it's about 11 a.m. where you are, Baruch? Yeah, it is 11 a.m. And what yeah. time is it in Poland now? 8, p 8 p.m. Yeah, exactly. So, and if we actually got um, Paul King involved, you know, oh, then we'd be talking about another eight to 10 hours or something. It'd be, you know, we'll see what we can do at some point. Uh, okay, well, thank you very much. Anything else, Baruch, or are we good? No, I think uh, we, we have to, unfortunately, we have to wind down. I have a hard stop now as well. So it was a pleasure. Let's try do more of this uh, in an extended format. Um, Jen, we are expecting you to get back, so we'll have four hosts, and it will be an entirely different show. And uh, thank you very much, and um, see you all soon. Take bye -bye. care, everybody. Bye-bye. All right.